tuning in to the Attack Early Show. My name is Matt, and I am joined today by the lovely Sam Moses. Hello! Wow! So great to be here. Today, today. is Season 6, Woo. Episode 1. What a, what At a, least we hope so, in which case this episode sucks. We might move, move it to later in the year and cut this intro out. Who knows? <laughs> we haven't done it yet. We hope we don't need to. <laughs> but anyway, thank you for sticking with us through five complete years of this and mm-hmm. kind of moving on to year six. Mm-hmm. That is weird. It is weird. We have been friends for quite a while. I know. I was... Uh, talking to Dave McNair. What who was, a lucky guy. Yeah. I was talking to him and he was asking me about my friendship with you and I was going back to the beginning and I was like Matt and I have just like been friends for lots of years. Like you're like you know like a lifer friend now at this stage. Yeah you're one of my best friends that I paid for initially. Yeah. <laughs> Those are always the best. <laughs> the ones you have to pay for are the best friends. I'm, I'm getting my full ROI out of this. Oh, you are. Out of you this really investment. are. You really are. Yeah. What Matt's should have charged re- more. Matt refer- Matt's referring to is I used to do a mentor program many moons ago. And I did charge money for it because it took, honestly, a lot of time. Um, Not for mine, though. Mine was very enjoyable and yeah, life-giving. Matt's was just a breeze. I didn't prepare anything for him. <laughs> kind of seems like it's continued a bit (laughs) into the podcast (laughs) preparation before before we get into this episode why don't you take these lovely folks Folks? on a ride through the land of housekeeping are we changing up the music or are we keeping it the same i don't know i feel like if we change it people are going to be sad but it's kind of like Whenever they would change up the way Facebook looks, it's like, eh, you get used to it. Yeah, and you're so pissed and you're like, "Ah, how do I switch this into this? Right. It used to be here and it's not here. You eventually get used to the new one and the new one's like, great, this is fine. But, I don't know, we'll figure that out in post. For now, though, housekeeping. (laughs) That's for Sam in the future. (laughs) Sam in the future decides. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. And here's housekeeping. This is that unique special time that you get to screenshot an episode that you like. Maybe this one, maybe a previous one that uh, really just impacted your life. Put it on Instagram. We're still doing Instagram this season. Tag me at Moses Mastering. Tag Matt at For the Record Mastering. We will reshare your post. We are cross marketing. We are getting each other out into the internets, which is just building community. And more importantly, we get to finally know who our audience actually is, which is the ultimate joy and win because then we have great conversations with you outside of the podcast, about the podcast, about topics uh, beyond the podcast. And now I have like five to 10 probably new friends since we started doing this since the tagging or five started. to ten new listeners or new listeners yeah so yeah so tag us so we can know who you are so we can chat and further their community because that's fun it's fun to have friends.com housekeeping out well there you go <clears throat> so this episode it seems like it's gonna, it looks on the surface like it will be a negative episode. I don't think it's going to be. Because I feel like we'll be able to equip people in the opposite of how this episode is named. But the episode is titled, The Deck is Stacked Against You. And I don't think it's really anything other than... I don't think it's like, oh, the man's coming to get me or any of that. I think it's really just people putting in the work and doing what is necessary in order to uh, sustain what they have built. And this whole business thing takes a little bit of love. Takes a a little bit of interpersonal skills. Mm -hmm. Takes a little bit of emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. Takes a little bit of knowing about money and kind of saying no to where money should and shouldn't go. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe 
the new shiny isn't always better. Ooh. And recognizing when it when something is better versus different. Man, if we only had an episode about that one. <laughs> um but Sam, why don't you uh why don't you do a little rundown on some business statistics? Yeah, let me get you that rundown, just a traditional. Oh, perfect. Rundown. Thank you. Yeah. Just put that on my desk by, get the team uh, by the noon. That'd be great. Yeah. Oh, perfect. What kind of format do you want the rundown in? MLA. Stay got that MLA standard guidebook from college. Got it. Here it is. All right, my friends. 18.4% of new businesses fail within the first year. Yikes. 49.7% fail within the first five. 65% fail within the first 10. Only 25% make it beyond 15 years. Beyond 15 years, we don't have a good statistic. And these statistics came from the United States Small Business Administration, the SBA, pretty reputable site. That's where they came from. So we're going to go with those. They may be slightly off, but it's a pretty decent source. It's a government organization. You know, how off uh, could it be? (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's like you do have people who don't register businesses, and you do have, like, there's a lot of that you can't gather data on. But um, in general... As far as government agencies go, yeah, the SBA like is part of the. They're, they're, they, I don't know if they necessarily are, but they are operating within, and you can do loans and stuff. And we've done a lot of stuff with my other company with the SBA, and it's been pretty smooth. Yeah, and it's cool, and it's. I trust their. I trust them as a source. I would give them as. I would give them kudos as a viable. As a I viable would too, source. because they're about making um, money, and the government loves money, <laughs> so they're not going to mess around with this. <laughs> they got to know what their take is, right? Um, yeah. Just a couple more statistics that are kind of fun, uh, and I didn't know this till today, but ninety-nine point nine percent of all U.S. businesses are small businesses. I did not know that, and a small business is five hundred or fewer employees. Which may make you think, well, 500 is a lot. But that's the qualification. But that still kind of blows my mind that 99.9% of all businesses in the U.S. are 500 or fewer people. Where's um, that one from? That's from Does the that S- SBA as well. Yeah. I thought, so 499 is a small business? 499 would be a small business. I thought it was all monetary based because I thought it was under 10 million is a small business. And then I can't remember like, but like from 10 to whatever was medium sized. I'm not sure. This just says the SBA considers firms with fewer than 500 employees a small business. Interesting. So that's just what I'm reading. You know, you could, there could be two different scales. It's possible, of course. But, you know, I guess if you're kind uh, of, yeah, go. I guess if you're kind of calculating in, it's like, okay, how much of the population does this business employ as like the size of the business? I can see, I can see that. Yeah. And then <clears throat> um, 600,000 new businesses start every year in the US. Wow. Every year. Yeah. They're launched. So I would assume that means they're at least registered for them to have that number. Um, sure. I guess so like fail within the first year of being registered. Yeah. Um, they have one more statistic, which is from March 2019 to March 2020, one million new U.S. established businesses were opened while 993,000 closed. That was hmm. a net positive increase of over 42,000 new small businesses. So you may have heard statistics that 90% of businesses fail, things of that nature. And it's actually not true outside of 90% of startups usually fail. Uh, like disruptive companies is what they label like true startups. Obviously, any company you're starting is kind of a startup. But <clears throat> companies that are seeking to disrupt the business market, uh, 90% of those fail. And then 99.9% of unicorn businesses fail. <laughs> and that's not people that breed unicorns. Uh, That's businesses that get a valuation of $1 billion without being listed on the stock market, such as SpaceX, which did succeed. Uh, Shen Clothing, I think is what it is. Forgive me. 
uh, Canva, Revault, and OpenSea have all made it uh, with a billion dollar valuation without being on the stock market. So, those are some facts. Yeah. How do you think a lot of this translates kind of into our neck of the woods as far as uh, studios? And I would say a lot of people are doing this more like home studio based these days. How would you say a lot of these trans? Like, would you say that this statistic would hold true kind of just to your general observation and perception, like, through the music industry? And, um, My, yeah, would yeah. you say... That, That's a good you question, actually. You kind, of, you, you kind of see this? Do you see a lot of stuff that doesn't really make it? People switching into other... Yeah, my this is my opinion with really no data outside of my opinion <laughs> and observation. My observation opinion now doing this for 12 years is the number is way higher in music. Like I would say like 90% of people fail in the first five years. Maybe even higher than that. There are not many people that I still work with that are like what I call my day ones. Like when I started, like maybe, maybe I should go through and look, but it's like a handful, like a dozen, like a dozen people are still doing this 12 years later. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have, and I have a lot of clients. I have a lot of clients and there's a lot of clients that don't do music anymore. Um, You know, maybe they did it for two, three, four years. I have a, I have at least 12 studios that have shut down within the 10 year period of being in Nashville that they don't make records anymore. They're just done. Mm. You know, and those were what's interesting about this conversation is some of those studios were like my big clients, like starting. You know, they gave mm. me a record a month, you know, and now they don't make any records. They closed. Um would you say that was like like a, like a byproduct of 2020, or were you kind of seeing it mm, as a steady decrease throughout? It was all of this was really before COVID. COVID to me didn't do much negative in the music industry, to be honest. Yeah. Like the majority of us in Nashville saw after that initial shutdown, and then when they started letting people come back to studios, there was quite the boost because people were making records digitally and they had a lot of money from A stimulus. Like lots of people use their stimulus money mm-hmm. to, to sure. do music. But B, a lot of people didn't go to the studio as they usually would, and they just bought like a $300 setup instead. So like instead of going to cut vocals at a studio that's 500 bucks a day, they ended up just buying a $500 microphone and then learned, well, I can cut vocals that are quote-unquote the same myself and just send it then to the producer, mixer, blah, blah, blah. So I think a lot of people during COVID actually found ways to save money Um mm-hmm. And so then they had more money to make more music more often. Honestly, that's what I noticed. I'm COVID years and still are some of my biggest years. Like, um, I'll say 2021 was a nutso year. Yeah. It's just like everybody really recorded in 2020 right. and they're writing music, they were buying stuff. And yeah, like, like not, I don't want to say like when, like, kind of the panic of stuff slowed down because I don't think. Like necessarily the panic slowed down in 2020, but I would say when like it kind of became like <laughs> like the pamphlet of the doctor living with COVID. It's right. like when you kind of hit that stage to yeah. where it's like okay, this is a normal conversation that like is having, but life still has to go on. Yeah. Um, I feel like when that part happened, people were like, okay, well, I'm still going to write music and I'm right. still going to figure out how to make a living. And then 2021 was just a nutso year for, and it was like no singles. It was just yeah. all big albums. Well, and the music industry grew year over year too during that time period, and is doing that again this year, like growing, like mm-hmm. growth, like actual profiting um, as a whole. If you look it up, and I think with COVID, it, you know, if we're talking about business, it goes back to the episode we did on COVID originally, which was the people that. Ah, I, I want to be gentle. Like the the people that failed during COVID may or may not have made it anyway. Is almost what I want yeah. to say. In that the people to me that I saw were really like, oh, COVID's ruined my career. It's like, hold up, you didn't have a career. Like mm-hmm. as mean as that may sound. And I said in that episode too, 
my experience of COVID would have been drastically different if I was in year two as opposed to year nine or 10. Like, I had the luxury to go through COVID as an established business in town that had clients who, like, are also established. If I would have had COVID on year two of my business or three or four with, like, you know, a quarter of the clients... I bet it, it could have been a really different story. It probably would have been a situation for me of like, all right, are we going to keep doing this? We're going to give up or we're going to keep going? And I would have kept going because that's what I do. But I do think there were a lot it's of... what I do. It is what I do. Enneagram 3, got to achieve a uh, gift and a curse right there. Um, but I think for, you know, for a lot of people, a lot of people with the music industry like, they quit for a lot of reasons. Now, a lot of it has to do with money, but sometimes you realize you just don't want to do the thing you think you want to do. You know, that's how I ended up like kind of in mastering. It's like I wanted to be a rock star, and then I was a mixer and the producer, and mastering was kind of like this last thing. And then I was like, oh, I'm actually awesome at mastering, and people think I'm awesome at mastering, and it just happens to pay because people think I'm best at this. So they keep hiring me to master. So I'll just master, and the rest is history. But and there's one million other things that have happened for for me to be here. But I think, you know, a lot of people are like, I want to be an artist. They start being an artist. Like, oh, I don't want to be an artist. I just want to make music. You know, mm-hmm. and that's, I think that's kind of what, it, like, if I was to boil it down to you, you have people who want to be a business and people who just want to make records. Mm-hmm. And often the people who just want to make music and records, they realize very quickly, oh, this isn't working. And then hopefully you realize... I can still make music and have a regular job. Like, still love making records, enjoy music while not being like in the real quote unquote grind of the music industry. Um, but yeah, I, I notice more people quitting than succeeding. Um, but I think it happens for a lot of reasons beyond just like, could be skill, could be timing, could be lack of money, could be lack of product, could be lack of understanding marketing there's so many things that we've talked about in the podcast before that um can lead you to succeeding or failing so let me let me pause there and hand it back to you sure and i mean i think this is just going to be i mean i mean what a better time to you know start a start a dialogue of a podcast than you know a new season a Correct. new year trying to dialogue and so yeah. Sorry, I got like some burps. I totally was like, yeah, let's maybe a great idea to open a LaCroix before I do this. <laughs> and so like I'm trying to like quietly like drink this off to the side mm. of the mic and I'm like, oh, this water's spicy. It's like drinking a cat's tongue. Anyway, yeah. I don't know how that's going to go. So, I apologize. I probably won't <laughs> stop drinking until it's empty, but anywho, what would you say would you say as far as like like cash flow is concerned? There's no, I don't want to say that here. Um, that's a conversation I've had somewhere else, and I have a conversation for you, but it can't happen on this podcast because it's it's something fun that I've thought about within the past few weeks that I want to do. Uh-huh. As far as, however, as far as cash flow is concerned, um, do you think people get into this and they're negating uh, the actual business part of this? And they're just kind of like, build it and they'll come. And then yeah. when it doesn't happen, or maybe they jump out of like the nine to five too quick. Yeah. And what are what are you kind of seeing with that? Is it like, is, the, is there a money concept to this that's a bit of a disconnect? Or yeah. what do you think is, what do you think is the biggest disconnect that could potentially lead to this <sighs> I think, type of thing? I think people, it's the, if I build it, they will come. I think people create a song, and especially now, you can create like a semi-hit sounding song because of the accessibility to Splice, which I love Splice. But companies like Splice... Oh, is that the, where you can buy, uh, the loops. buy now, pay later? You just buy loops. You just buy pre-made loops from like oh, famous producers. What am I thinking of? I don't know. It's like where you can buy like art, like like big plugins for like on like like... What is it? Oh, rent that is own. on Splice. Splice does rent to own. Okay, yeah. so it's the yeah. same thing. Yeah, they do a lot okay. of things. They've created accessibility to like everything, which is you know always good and always bad at the same time. In that you get the pros and cons of accessibility and saturation, and then potential creation. Um, 
which is a pro. But yeah, you can, you know, when I started 12 years ago, like when I was in the studio doing rap stuff, we literally pounded out every beat. You know, like I would go to a key, like a phantom, like a keyboard, like a keyboard keyboard that didn't have samples, but it had like drum kits or an MPC that was either sample-based or had pre-stock kits or a Roland. And you would have to play everything, you know? And so it would take, you know, a day to make a song. Sometimes it'd be faster, but you could spend days trying to find the sound and the song. And now Splice allows you to drag and drop, you know, royalty-free samples, which is, once again, it's freaking sweet. And it sounds awesome. It sounds Mm -hmm. like Drake. It sounds like Travis Scott. It sounds like Justin Bieber. And you can literally know nothing about music if you can basically read that this song, this loop is 110 BPM in the key of C, and then you drop 12 110 BPM key of Cs together from the same pack, you've got a dope sounding song. Then you can record mm-hmm. on like a $200 mic. That sounds okay. You know, mix it yourself, send it to somebody. You can have like a pretty darn good sounding song for like a few hundred dollars now. And I think people then get really excited because they think, well, I've got a song now that sounds like Drake or Justin Bieber, Katy Perry or 1975. And so I can do this. I'm going to be famous. Like, I can do it. I got the product now. That was the problem. That's what everybody thinks. The problem is like, I need to have the best song or like a catchy song. And that's having the product is, I don't want to say the easy part, um, but in in the context of business, product is the easy part because the hard part is the marketing the hard part is getting people to listen. And if you're on the engineering side of it, post-production side of it, the hard part is usually you don't lack skill, you lack clients. You lack clients because mm-hmm. no one knows who you are, what you do, and where they can find you. The amount of people I still meet in town that have no idea who I am just continually affirms like my whole mantra, which I've been saying for years, which is I need to make sure everyone knows who I am, what I do, and where they can find me. I meet people every week who are like, who are you? Oh, you're a master engineer. I've never heard of you. <laughs> like, which is kind of wild at this stage in Nashville. But it happens because people, like, there are at least 20 or 30 bands I work with that literally didn't exist three years ago. You know, you don't, like, clients come and go all the time. Bands come and go. That's part of this episode, like, failing, quitting, changing directions. And I talk about, too, like, for me, the you know I've been doing this for like twelve years, and the next ten year of clients, probably like half of them aren't even making records yet. They don't even know mm-hmm. they want to be a band. They don't even know they're a mixer yet. You know, or maybe they just started. And so there's a lot of that. Well, that's one of the yeah, go ahead. that's one of the weird things I've actually said about this podcast, even from when we started. I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast, but when we first started, like obviously, like you're kind of like, okay, identify your market. It's right. like I honestly don't think that like eighty percent of the people who are going to find this podcast helpful are even currently listening to Correct. it. Like even right. year six, yeah. It's like I think that these, like I literally think they're like kids in high school or like middle school, right. and it's like they got like another however many years until they're like really kind of figuring out what they want to do. It's like, that's still my belief six years into it. Yeah, I agree. It's like, it's like this podcast is potentially for who has not even like, like discovered they want to be in music right. yet. Yeah. And so, which is weird because it's like a high level podcast, but I don't know. I also feel like it offers quite a bit. Yeah. Too darn. So hard. anywho. But yeah, the, to summarize, <laughs> people misunderstand the product as being like the difficult part. And so then... They quit their job, or they they overestimate the success of what a song could have. Like I see that all the time. People are like, I still have people that email me like, "Oh, so and so is gonna be huge, and so will you give us a discount?" You know. Yeah. And I'm always thinking, well, if they're gonna be huge, and you're so sure of it, then no, they're gonna make. <laughs> yeah. Why would you? They're gonna make all this money then, like in this next year. So invest into the product then. <laughs> like that's always my thought. Yeah. Is like. Oh, they're almost about to sign a deal and then it'll be full budget. I'm like, well, it should be full budget now then if you're so confident that they're going to sign this quarter million dollar deal. Like, you know, we're talking about, you know, for mastering, you're either, we're talking about a difference of like maybe a thousand dollars, which is a lot of money, but not a lot of money when you're talking about somebody getting a quarter million dollar deal. Like, 
you know, that they're actually going to get the cash for. So, you know, there's a there's a big disconnect with people of knowing of of thinking or having skills. More so, most people have the skill; they just lack the clients. And clients is a continual thing of how do I get clients? And then the issue becomes too: people are very short sighted, so they're impatient and they get some clients, and then they get. It's like. Yeah, people are short-sighted. Like, it's very easy to get some clients have, say, you make like 10 grand one year. Like, oh, I'm just going to like spend all that money. Like, I'm just going to spend it. And then you like two months later realize, oh, all my clients are gone. Like, nobody's making a record in January, February. And then you're like, oh, I can't pay my bills. So then you're in a tough spot. That to me is like mismanagement of money and mismanagement of strategically planning out where your money goes is why I think all businesses fail, end up failing. You have a, a misconception on, you have no plan for the money you're going to make, you have no strategy for it, and that's like a problem that can be fixed, but for a lot of people, I mean, when we're talking about business, you have to talk about money. That is what business is. <laughs> like, businesses, you have to make money, you know, maybe not on paper for taxes, but you have to make money to have a business. And if I've learned anything personally as someone who was not good with money and now I think I am good with money and had to go through that long, I don't know, for me it took years of with my wife and I have discipline and sacrifice and then making a plan of what to do with the money. Um, that was a crucial moment in my journey of like from year three to five of finally being like, you know what? I'm not going to act like I don't have to pay 20% tax every year. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to, like, I understand write-offs finally. And a write-off doesn't, doesn't get you anywhere. Doesn't really get you anywhere because you show no profit. Or I remember when I started, like, in so many conversations I would have with people that now I'm like, yeah, none of us knew anything. Um, we'd be like, oh, I'm going to buy a $2,000 compressor and then I pay $2,000 less in tax. And that's not how that works. No. At all. It's $2,000 comes off your profit. And so then you only pay basically what you get off is your tax bracket. So say you're. It lessens your tax liability. Yeah, exactly. But it doesn't like take out. It doesn't out take out. Two, tax so if you owe $2,000, if your CPA is like, you owe $2,000, there's probably. <clears throat> You can't just go buy a compressor for $2,000 and be like, oh, that cancels it out. That $2,000 probably is only going to actually reduce your tax bill of what you owe by like $400 if you're at a 20% bracket. So you still owe $1,600 and you just spent $2,000. So now you really don't have $1,600. Well, can we, like, I think it's also important to say it's like through this whole deal, I mean, we we had this conversation in my other business. I mean, you know, kind of preparing for the end of uh, 2022. And, you know, it's better to pay some taxes as opposed to, like, no tax. Yes. And that sounds weird and it sounds counterintuitive. But you get into, like, you you, you really, like, so let's, let's pretend that you are a longtime listener of the podcast and that you just heard the past few episodes. And first of all, thank you for listening. Second of all, um, going to any of these business planning episodes we get into the whole thing of like, okay, plan for the five-year, plan for the three-year and the one-year. And it's like if the five-year looks significantly different as far as like the infrastructure that you're going to have and be in and be around and equipment and whatnot, and if you want to get out of your mom's basement or whatever you're doing, um, it's like you're going to probably need some cash. And if it's going to come from something other than your own wallet, you're going to need to have proof of a cash flow. Right. And so it's kind of, this is kind of a double-edged sword is you get into the whole like okay, well I'm going to show no profit this year. I'm going to like I'm done paying taxes. I'm going to show no profit. And it's like okay, well in general we, I mean you typically learn this the hard way is no bank is going to loan you money. Yep. No credit institution is going to do anything with you as a small business right. unless you have at least two years yep. worth of tax returns. 
And that doesn't mean tax returns like in general. That means like you're showing a really good um, debt to income ratio. You're showing that you actually know how to manage your cash. Yeah. And it's like, don't get me wrong. Like in the beginning, when I was filing taxes, like I knew I needed to. This is like, this is like a whole thing of like, when do you actually make your business a business, like a legal entity? Um, I think that's a whole nother episode. Yeah. But I mean, when, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. When you, when you kind of get into this, it's like in the beginning, I was on purpose showing losses just because. It's like it wasn't really that big, and it's like okay, yeah. It's like I have expenses, and I'm just going to log on to. I'm going to make sure that like I have expenses for this year, and I just, I just d- didn't want to deal with the tax liability. And it's like I, until I really have the thing figured out. And so I would show losses and whatnot, and I mean this is strategic. Like I planned to do this, but then I don't know, maybe five, six, however many years ago, I was like, okay. Uh, we're going to show profit. We're going to show a gradual increase so that if you know we ever do need a loan, I don't know what five years from this business looks like. I mean, Sam and I were just wrapping five years of this podcast. I couldn't tell you that we were going to be doing this however long <laughs> ago. I mean, while we were reading statistics, we read another statistic that it's like, it's 97% of podcasts don't make it to 20 episodes. Right. So it's like, I mean, I can attest to that. My other business, we started a podcast. It's like episode 18. It was been there for a year and a half. Um, we're planning on revi- revamping it. But um, so like when, whenever you're kind of getting into this, you, you do need to strategize like, are you going to show a profit? And then it's, are you going to show this growth? Are you going to display to a financial institution that you actually like, can do this. And it's like, it especially gets important to where it's like, say you get into a point to where you want to buy a building for your business, or you just want to personally have a house. Right. I mean, we, my wife and I were in an apartment complex that wouldn't, uh, like I had just started, uh, my other business. I wasn't going to show the mastering business, like money to this other, to this random apartment complex. And it's kind of like, Oh, well, we need pay stubs. It's like, well, you obviously don't work with anyone who's self-employed because, (laughs) and so it's just like, okay, yeah, sure. And so like, I literally just went on literally Microsoft Paint and just made a pay stub Yeah, and I gave it to them and they're like, okay, cool. Right. And it's like, all right, yeah, whatever. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's fraud, but it's like, (laughs) whatever. I mean, I, I don't care. I learned the hard way for sure with all that, like, but no I, one knows that. Yeah, I initially started, I would say, A, register your business personally as soon as you decide you want to be a business. Because in my experience now of having a mastering business for 12 years registered, like the sooner you can show profit or show something, show that you exist, the lenders like that. Even if you're not showing profit initially, it shows that you, it shows a lot of things because every lender is different. And Every underwriting at a lender at the lending place is different. And lenders are different from big banks to credit unions to private lenders. Like there are all sorts of things of people that will lend you money and they all kind of look for different things based on their like kind of their own books, what they're willing to take on. Like some credit unions do like portfolio loans and keep the loans. They don't sell them off. So they can only keep keep so much debt on the books too. I'd probably recommend a smaller credit institution. I mean, this is even if you're... We could do a whole episode on how to do a loan, but I mean, even the whole thing of like just using one bank, it's like you're you're stacking the deck against you, no pun intended to the name of this episode, because you're essentially going to them asking for money as opposed to, why don't you go to five credit institutions, people who specialize in like under $1 million small business loans... And essentially saying, okay, and essentially you make these like loan packets. Right. And you have to have a business plan, which if you listen to last year, it's like you'll have, you'll need a little bit more than that. Um, You'll need like your financials and everything. But it's like you go to them and you say, hey, I have these other banks and uh, I'm looking to put something together. Granted, your numbers have to be good. You can't BS through this. Right. Um, I'm planning on like putting this together. I have so many banks I'm going to be presenting this to. These banks, uh, if you're interested, I'd love to uh, include you on like whenever I do this submission, if, you're, if this is something you're interested in. And so now you've kind of flipped the tables from 
Like, I want your money to, hey, I recognize that you're a business and you're doing this type of lending. Right. If this is a deal that you would like in on, let me know. If not, because then it's like you could get loan origination fees waived. Right. You could get like a lot of stuff kind of tipping in your favor. Once again, you have to get through underwriting on all of this. But um, they'll also probably like say, okay, you need to open up a depository account with us and all this stuff. But I mean, that's all kind of down the line. But it's important to kind of have your stuff together and whatnot. Yeah, it is. Um, and also learning like learning how to speak the language of a lender. So like lenders offer products. They don't offer money. That's how they communicate. So you say, what products are available for X, Y, and Z? I even have like scripts that I've written when I was learning how to talk to lenders of saying like, hi, my business is growing. This would be like a cold call. Like I would call banks in town and lenders or meet them and say... I just like see you in front of a mirror. (laughs) I literally did this like... Hey, I'm looking. I'm shopping for a lender that I can work with on a long term basis. My company's been growing. I'm interested in what products you have. Just like that. And then they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, I said long term basis, so they know I'm going to be around. I'm shopping around. I asked their product, which is the language they use. And then that gets a great response. Like, it's, you have to, this episode, I hope, and we need to do follow up episodes on money and business for sure, but. I hope this episode is encouraging and kind of like we want you all to to win and succeed. And these statistics I gave up front are not to scare you, but to let you know that lots of businesses do make it. <laughs> like we have what was that statistic? The ninety nine point nine percent of businesses. How many businesses was that that make up thirty two? There's thirty two point five million businesses that are profiting in theory. And so you small can, businesses, yeah, small businesses. So that can be that can be you too. Like it can be you. It's possible for you to do it, but you have to understand. I mean, I kind of talk about it like this: like you have to understand the game you're playing within the music industry. So uh, if you want to have a business, you have to have money. If you want to have money, you have to show profit on your taxes. I at this stage for the last six years, my wife and I have told every CPA, and now I've been with the same one for three years now, um, we want to show the most profit possible, and that means I pay the most tax possible. And I've also learned the less write-offs I have, um, the more money I make each year, because I'm not spending money. <laughs> like It's as simple as that. Because just because you're lowering your tax liability doesn't mean you get to pocket more cash. Like that's not always how it works, and especially if you are a uh, single, not a single person. Oh my gosh! If you are just sole proprietor, no house. Yeah, if you have nothing no going kids. on, you need to start building this uh, this up. You need to have taxes. I went to buy. I went to get a loan for an investment property this past year, or last year in Florida. And at this stage, my business looks good. We have other investments as well that are profitable and assets on the taxes like recorded. And this down for this complex, this lender that this complex used, they wanted five years. And I had to send over five years of past taxes. And I had to have my CPA literally sign a legal binding letter saying he has gone over every page of these taxes and verifies that they're correct. And that was to buy like uh, a condo on the beach for an investment thing. And that like I had that ready thankfully since I've like I understand the game I'm playing which is a bigger game beyond just the music industry because you have to know how to manage your money and strategically use your money in order to stay a business. Anyone who is in the music industry that has been around this is what I always say like in Nashville like the studio dudes that have been doing this now for 20 years, they are not stupid. They are crafty and clever as hell, and they know business. Like, they know how to make money. And most of them take their money to and invest it into other things. That's like the hidden secret of life. Like, almost every company you know of, they take their money and dump it into other passive income or asset-producing type things. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what I do, and that's you know how you grow your wealth and how you grow your business. Because I can now show if I want to go 
for a loan for like a bigger, if I want to go back to a commercial space or something like that, like I have more than just one income stream, which lenders love. And I have assets, which lenders love because it covers, it covers the liability of me wanting, if I want to get $2,000 from, or $200,000 from a lender and I have $200,000 in equity in a property, they go, well, this is an easy one. He makes money and he's got another thing to cover that in case something hits the fan. Like, you have I will say, to, yeah, though, you're, you're not going to get what you're asking for. Probably not. It's <laughs> like if you want like 200, it's like, I'll let you know, like the first thing of negotiating is like the person who says the first number always loses. Right. And as far as like a bank and everything's concerned, it's like you have to say the first number. And... <clears throat> I would, it, and there, there's a second rule of negotiating as well. There's several rules of this. Uh, the second rule to me is if you're not embarrassed to ask for it, you're not asking for enough. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I would much rather ask for way more than I need and end up like not completely using it as opposed to like, don't get me wrong, don't go asking for a million dollars if you only need like 50 grand. Right. But it's like, yeah, I mean, there's no reason to like triple what you what you think you might want. If you need fifty because you want to like do some a little bit of rent, I was like, yeah, I was looking at getting like a hundred and fifty and just kind of see where you land. You might get seventy five or eighty, right? So it's like they want to make the deal work, right? So, and I want to say know. too, like what I'm talking about right now, like the things I just rattled off about lenders, blah blah, and money and two hundred thousand dollars here and blah blah. I didn't know any of that like when I started. Like for like five or took me like five or six years of educating myself about money and talking to other people that had money to learn at all what I'm talking about. And so for those out there that are listening that might be like, this is just like beyond, like I can't even pay my rent this month. Like I've been there. I was there. Yes. There were months where my wife and I could not pay our rent and we had to pay late like we did that before um so yeah why don't we take like the remaining like minutes of this podcast and why don't we like stack the deck in people's favor i like that so let's be like okay this is how you equip yourself yeah like it's really not the easiest to make it through this yeah but if you abide by like a few pretty like simple principles and concepts you're going to be okay. Right. And I'm saying this because <clears throat> I'm not like, I really enjoy building things. My favorite thing to do in the world is to build new things. So, specifically, businesses or like the podcast or just anything new. I don't know why, but just like the little like spark of creativity and joy. Be- before like money and all this other BS comes into play is really fun. And like the little bit, the spark of innocence is kind of like what drives me with all that. That being said, it's not that I'm not good at it, but I hate it. I don't like maintaining like the day to day stuff and everything. I just, it just bores the absolute garbage out of me. And so while I'm not I'm not bad at it, I do get distracted easily because it doesn't really drive me as much as the building part. And so like in my other company, I'm pretty much always working myself out of a job. Um and it's like I was doing marketing. It's like now I have a fantastic guy doing marketing for us. It's like I was doing QuickBooks. Now we have a bookkeeper. I'm still like logging transactions and whatnot. And it's like I was doing like any returns we would get. It's like, okay, now we have a logistics person that manages our whole pipeline of inventory. And it's like I'm, I'm always working my way out of a job. And so all that to say, I, I, I do think that I'm a good candidate for this advice as well. So, because I don't like scheduling and I don't like, you know, having to deal in the day-to-day money and the paying of bills. And it's like, oh, you have this due. And it's like, oh, okay. All right. I'll do this. But I think there's like a few simple concepts that you can really abide by 
that can really stack the deck in your favor for the long term. As far as you, Sam, what would you say that you do that stacks the deck in your favor? Yeah. That like like what are like little like I have like routines that you've put together. Yeah. What's like stuff that you do on a day to day basis that really just like sets you up solid for like I don't know that day, that week, that month, that year. Yeah, I can. I have like a few things I can rattle off. Sure. Like the first thing. I just want to go back to money and taxes. Like I take 25% out for taxes all day long every year now. Like for the last like Are you seven doing years. quarterlies? Yeah. No, I pay every week taxes. They go we pay like every week. It just goes out. So you don't have to do I cuz I'm an S corp now. So like my taxes get sent out of my paycheck. Well, your personal get withheld. Yeah, it gets withheld. So if you're an S-Corp, that means you personally, Sam Moses, are on payroll from your company. Correct. And so I pay tax So you have withholdings, that. but Moses Mastering still has quarterlies that are due. Um, well. Whether or not how you pay yeah, quarter, if you yeah, pay quarterly. Yes, yeah, yeah. But there's tax, you're taxed on the profit of Moses Mastering. Yeah. But basically what I mean, I, I mean the quick and, the, I'll yeah, go say ahead. like the quick and dirty here, like. Whatever money comes into most mastering, 25% of that just gets put into a different account for tax. Always. Okay. Nonstop. If you do that, you will never run into problems because you will have write-offs with your business. You will have standard deductions for certain things. Even if you're not like buying a bunch of gear, you will never get to the end of the month or whenever you're paying your taxes the year. Uh, you'll never be in a tough spot. And there's nothing worse than deny, like, faking reality. Like, when I started, I used to be like, oh, I'll take, like, 10% this week uh, because, like, I need to pay my rent. And then, like, you get to a quarterly payment back then, like, when I was DBA, and, like, I wouldn't have the money. And that's, like, an oh, crap moment. Or you get to the end of your... I've had years where I get to the end of the year and I didn't do 25%, and I had an insanely high profit year. And then it's like, oh, you really do, like... You're you're gonna owe this, like, you know, you, your November December was bonkers. So now you do owe eight thousand extra dollars that you didn't set aside. So anyway, if you want to always have money at the end of the year, take twenty five percent out of everything you make and just save. Granted, it. Granted, you got to pay that in, but yeah, but, <laughs> but you will never be in an oh shit moment. I promise you. Like yes. that's how you stack the deck for yourself: not having oh shit moments and managing your money. So. If you're out there and you are like, I don't understand taxes, just take 25% of everything you make and put it in a different account and then you can sort it out. Hopefully you get a CPA, but you can sort it out at the end of the year, um, depending on what you're doing. I have all that written down. Yeah. So do that. Uh, the other thing to stack the deck is, uh, it just it's all money. It's like, have a budget. Like People I talk to don't have a budget. I talk with so many people who are just like, I just try not to spend more than I make. And then they always end up spending more than they make because they have debt. <laughs> like, okay. And unless you're leveraging good debt, which is a different topic, which most of these people are not, then you're not stacking the deck for yourself because businesses fail because they lack cash flow and strategy of money. So if your strategy is, I'm just going to spend less than I make, that's not a strategy. That's just like an idea, a concept, but there's no strategy for the money. It just gets spent then always, I promise you. You'll just spend it. Um, so you have to have a budget. The more specific of a budget, the better. Um, that's how you stack the deck. Don't, um, don't overestimate what you think your growth will be. That's another thing I do. Every year, I do grow, but I only bank on like 3%. But it's always a lot more than that. But just because you make X amount one year, don't assume that it will just keep growing forever because you may have no, down you're years. you're not entitled to that. Right. You will have down years as a business most likely. If you're like any successful business, you will have quote unquote bad years. And those bad years, you will, have, you will hopefully have saved extra money to float you along. So that's part of like the 25% thing. What I found, if with all my money, 25% gets saved for tax, I end up paying about 17% tax is what I end up paying each year after all the deductions and blah, blah, and some manipulation. You're an S-corp, though. Yeah. 
But that's so it's different. It is different, but you can be an S corp too if you're out there. You can. Well, I have a note. Do you want to go through your stuff and then I have like my my other stuff? Yeah, I'll just I just have like two more things. Sure. But all this stuff, like you can do. You can become an S corp. You can get a CPA. Like you can you can you can do that, <laughs> and you can. If a thousand dollars comes in, you set two fifty aside. Like you can do that. That's easy to do, quote unquote easy to do. And if you do that for a whole year, you'll have the best year of your life and you will also have money left over. And that money left over, you can decide, do I want to save this as like an emergency fund, which is a good idea to have, um, or do I want to like invest it into the company, you know, and buy a piece of gear to allow me to work faster, give a better end product, whatever, X, Y, and Z. I mean, for me, like my success really is the tax thing, having a budget, and then making sure people know who I am, what I do, and where they can find me. And 99% of the people I talk to who are like, I can't get enough clients, can't get enough consistent work. How do I like break through this? Like, I'm only making 20,000 a year, 30,000 a year. And I always ask them, what are you, mar- how are you marketing? Are you talking to people? And the answer is almost always no. <laughs> like, no. Or, well, I tried for a week, or I tried for a month on Instagram, or like I reached out to like a few mixers. And it's like, I can't, that's, that's why you're going to fail. Like, business thrives on marketing. We know that. Like, you, do you know how many ads you get on TV and on social media? Like, people do that because that's how a business makes money. You have to know the business exists. People need to know you exist in order for them to even know that you can do, like, solve the problem for them and they can pay you over and over again. That's it. It's like 25% off, off the top, save that, get a budget, stick to it, don't overestimate your growth, and make sure people know who you are, what you do, and where they can find you. That's literally my whole career. Like, <laughs> and then, Taking that money and dumping it into other assets such as real estate and investment properties. And that just then compounds the growth even more. Okay. That's my best tip. I will say that <laughs> I'll say that all of that really just boils down to having a plan. Yeah. I mean that's what it is. And it's like I know I like always harp on the plan, the plan, the plan, but it's like if you just plan to like for all of this to go like a certain way. Generally, it does. Right. And it's like, you know, kind of the per the two episodes ago, you know, the crazy year Sam and I had in 2022. And so it's like, whenever I had a, like, like, you're allowed to throw out the plan if it's not really fit into that year. But it's like, you know what? At least whenever life does get back on track, you can be like, all right, where was I? And you're not like, oh, where, all, all this. Where do I start? Right. And so, anyway, um, I will say kind of onto the whole, like, banking thing that's kind of interesting. Something that sounds really silly. I've always meant to tell you this, um, Sam. I don't know if you do this. Um, Something that bankers really like if you are going to go that type of conventional loan route. And it's, it's really simple and easy to do. And you don't really even need to talk to anyone to do it. For some reason, on loans, business savings accounts look really, really good. It's just money that you're not touching, that you're just kind of like leaving into the business like a rainy day fund. Yeah. Those people love that stuff. Yeah. And it's like, you have a savings account? No one has a savings account. Right. Business savings accounts, like, they, they make a lot of sense whenever you're kind of talking to those people. Um, so, as far as if you set up a business, um, Sam and I can teach you how to set up a business if you want. Um, I will say right here and right now, there is such a little chance that you will be able to set yourself up as an S corp. The like the mere fact that Sam is kind of blows my mind. Um, I have my other company set up as an S corp, and it took me forever to do it. You save the fifteen percent self employment tax that an LLC will charge you. Um, 
but you have to go through certain things to do it. There's one thing like you have to hold like regular meetings and like take minutes. I think it's at least once a month. You have to run your whole business on payroll and you personally have to take a W-2 or you put in the W-2 and get do all the withholding tax and everything. And then um, there was one other one that was really big. Oh, the ambiguous one. You have to take a quote-unquote modest salary, mm-hmm. and there is no <laughs> defined range, and it is such a pain in the ass to get anybody to tell you what that actually means because everyone is afraid to commit to that number. Right. Um, For the record, so, to interrupt you, we talked to the IRS when we were setting up the S-Corp, and they literally said, just Google your job in the area. That's what they told us. <laughs> and they're like, whatever that yeah. is, start there. There you go. And then they said, if you make more money the next year, then you decide how much more you want to make. <laughs> and yeah. that was what literally the IRS told us. But once again, the ambiguity right. surrounding that uh, totally. from, the, from the people themselves. It's like, what happens if I don't pay enough taxes? Right. It's like, well, you go to jail. Right. And it's just like, oh my gosh. Um, so you will 100% need somebody in your corner to set that up if you're going to. Yes. My other, uh, uh, for the record, mastering is not set up as an S-Corp. It's set up as an LLC. Uh, you will more than likely have to set that up. It's all really easy to do. I've outlined these steps several times in other episodes. The short and skinny of it is go to your state, go to, if you're in South Carolina, scsos.gov, um, South Carolina Secretary of State.gov, go to Entity Search, look up if anyone is using your current, if your business name, if not, go into Entity Registration, and you can, and this is normally all done through the Secretary of State website. South Carolina just revamped all of theirs. You can do it all online now, which I had to mail everything in. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like my wife just started another business, and she did this all online in like four minutes. And I was like, are you kidding me? I had to do all of this through all these different sites. Anyway, Through the Secretary of State, you eventually get something called an EIN. This is the first step, an employer identification number. And then you just, um, you take that, and sometimes it's Secretary of State, somewhere it's somewhere else. Currently in South Carolina, it's still Secretary of State. Um, You apply for something called the Articles of Organization. Once you have that, and in say South Carolina, to submit that, it's $110. And EIN, I think, is like $1 or $2, just to like kind of make sure you're not a bot setting up companies. Might be 10 I don't know. Anyway, um, you get the articles of organization. They give you the certificate right there. You used to have to mail it off, and they send you the certificate. It's right then and there. And then uh, you take the articles of organization and your EIN, which is official paperwork with your number. Don't lose it. That's a Social Security number for your business. And you take that to a bank and you say, hi, I'd like to open up a business account with you. You'll probably have to keep a minimum amount in that bank account. And so just kind of know that as you're going about. And that's why I recommend like local credit places because it's like unlike someone like Wells Fargo, like, yeah, $2,500 in the account. And it's like at all times, it's like, well, forget that. It's because you're going around opening up other accounts in people's names that they just got crazy settled for on that. Um on the Articles of Organization and EIN, you'll also have to say what your entity is. I don't recommend a sole proprietorship. I don't recommend a DBA. Those all can be. Those all can come back to you. We can talk about all this later, um, or you can DM me. We'll probably do an episode on this later. Um, I the I know a lot of people don't like Dave Ramsey. One of the funny things I think he says is the worst type of ship to be in is a partnership. If you are in a partnership, then I highly recommend you have a lawyer structure out what the partnership is and the agreements um, of the parties and the and the the percentages of everything. Um, I don't recommend a partnership, but if you do, then just make sure you have all that written out. And then, uh, but I, I I recommend an LLC. It essentially splits you from your business, and so someone can sue your business. It doesn't come after you. Someone can sue you, and it doesn't affect your business. You got to keep the banking separate and whatnot. But anyway, um, I highly doubt you're going to be able to get an S corp. But I mean, you can always try. Um, four people, I think you should always have in your corner when you're starting a business, and it's, it's going to take a hot minute to arrange all of this. Um, excuse me, I'm getting over a cold. Um, I think you need to have a CPA. Um, after several years shopping CPAs and accountants, 
I've landed on CPA, then you need to know the difference. An accountant is someone who does taxes, monetary um, stuff, and tax strategy. A CPA is literally a registered agent of the IRS. And who do I want to have signing off on my stuff on behalf of me for the IRS? I'd rather have a registered agent, the IRS, signing off on it. On it. They don't do tax strategy, so you might need somebody else. Sometimes they do tax strategy, and they might not be as creative as an accountant. Um, but that's just you know my two cents. Do what you do what you want with that. I think you need a CPA. I think you need a good lawyer. Mm-hmm. I and everyone's like, oh yeah, well, it's like who's going to come after a little old me? It's like you'd be surprised, buddy. Today's day and age, you can sue a block of baloney. <laughs> um, I just think you should know a lawyer or at least like kind of not saying keep one on retainer as a studio, but if you're a pretty big studio, you never know. Um, I, I put lawyer and attorney. That's funny. Um, so I guess three people, you need a CPA, a lawyer, and I think you need at least one banker that it's like, you just check in with like, I don't know, like once or twice a year, send them a box or whatever at Christmas, like a, like a box of cookies or something like that. And, uh, yeah, if you have any questions or whatnot, just keeping somebody in kind of, kind of in your good graces is important. Oh, here's the fourth one. It's mentors. Mm-hmm. I think everybody should have a mentor of some kind. Um, I don't think it shows poorly on anybody. I don't think it shows any lack of maturity. I think that, and I've said this on other episodes, I think maturity can oftentimes be defined by what you do don't do and what you don't say and so as opposed to what you do and what you do say um that can often get you into trouble and so mentors can really guide you through that i'm kind of like to a point where i'm like yeah i think i need like somebody older to talk to and uh kind of work through some of this stuff and so uh, yeah as i as i go through this so i'm gonna i think i'm gonna be on a little bit of a search but anyway all that aside, those are four types of people that I think you really need to have in your back pocket um, to really stack the deck in your favor. And I think a mentor might be the best yeah. of all of those. Everything I said today came from a mentor. <laughs> like Everything I've said today has come from literally screwing it up. <laughs> Dude, tax bills and everything suck. Yeah, I mean, I like, screwed that all up. Learning how to like deal with money and everything, it's horrible. But learning the solution it's, came from mentors. Sure. <laughs> Mine literally came from screwing it up. I have, I like when I was like in my 20s, I would just like start a business and like I'd run it into the ground <laughs> or something <laughs> or like the people I wanted to do it with didn't work or I couldn't figure out something and it just never went anywhere. Granted, none of these were like, a few of them registered, some of them weren't. Um, nothing like really ever bad happened, but, um, I've always just kind of been a little serial entrepreneur, like since I was a kid, I've never worked for anybody but myself. And so I've just kind of gone to the school of hard knocks in it. Um, anyway, that's what I have. Sam, we're at our time allotment. Do you have anything for the people? What Um, did we miss? I don't think we missed anything, but there's so many topics to talk about still within this concept of like stacking the deck for yourself. I would say if anybody has questions, just holler at me, DM. Um, and there's probably some other episodes we should do uh, out of this. We could do like a whole uh, stack the deck, like part one, two, three, four, five. I mean, 100%. I feel like it's like an hour is not really even enough time. No. But this is a good start so. to get everybody thinking. If it feels overwhelming, just start with one thing. Just you could do something as simple as uh, making a plan or register your business or just 25% off the top of everything you make. There's so many things to implement from this episode. Just start with one thing. Just like one thing at a time. Yeah. And just so make that a new habit and then do the next thing. Okay, that's all for now. Cool. If you hear the music in the background, that was made by the one and only Sam Moses. Six years, starting six years of doing this. I really mm-hmm. appreciate mm-hmm. it. You literally transform every episode into a work of art. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Um, tell Sam thank you for that as well, if you don't mind. Um, let's see. If you need any mastering, Sam can be found at Moses Mastering. I can be found at For the Record Mastering. 
And uh, yeah, if you wouldn't mind uh, just taking a screenshot of this podcast and sharing it with a, a friend, a family member, or a foe. I don't care who it is. I'll take all listeners of all types. Um, let's see. I think that's about it. So yeah, that's it. Morning, afternoon, evening, whatever you're having for the start in the sixth year. Whew, have a darn good one. See y'all later. Cue the music, bud. Cue it.